Hello and welcome to the Holiday Moons Podcast, where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. And today we continue our discussion and our topics of Easter. I'm Randy and I will be talking about jelly beans. I'm Beth and I'm going to be talking about it's the Easter Beagle, Charlie Brown. This is Sydney and I will be talking about the Cadbury Egg. This is Cole, and I'm going to be talking about some international Easter traditions. As always, we start first with our holiday happenings for the week. So, any holiday happenings this past week? Family? (laughs) Well, we went to a spring craft show. I guess you'd call it a craft show. What would you call it, Randy? It It was the artisans are there. Sugarloaf Craft Festival is what it was called. There you go. And it had a lot of different vendors there, a lot of people with homemade crafts, but I mean like really nice homemade crafts along the way. Yeah, this was high level. Most of it was high yeah, level. Yeah, you, you guys mentioned like welders and stuff like that. And, yes. Yeah, a, a person had his own forge. Yeah. Forged, foundry. Had his own foundry. Yeah, there was people that were working in copper and bronze, making their own clothes. I mean, this was a high-end craft right. show that they were having. We also had several days with flurries this past week, so we're in the middle of March-ish, and we're still getting flurries occasionally here. Now, they don't really stick, that I recall. Although there wasn't much of them either. The mountains are still getting pretty heavy snow, according to the news, but we aren't getting that much here. Yeah, but for each day that we get flurries, there's also a day that's like... 75 degrees that we get Nice, yeah, 60s or... So it's still a little all over the place. It is. It's kind of nice. I like that kind of weather. I like the kind of mixed up, don't know what you're going to get each day. along the way okay so let us switch over to our topics for the day Uh, my topic is jelly beans so easter is actually the second most candy eating occasion of the year for americans can you guess the first one halloween that's right halloween's the first one americans consumed over 2.2 billion dollars worth of candy in 2014 so that was what five years ago According to the National Confectioners Association. Wow. 87% of parents will buy or make Easter baskets for their children, and 81% will then proceed to steal candy from them. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) All right. So what percentage of American parents do you think will make Easter baskets this year? 80%. 85%. 95%. Two-thirds. So a little less than what you guys were saying. Oh, yeah. But more than half of Americans say that chocolate bunnies or eggs are their favorite Easter treat. Millennials are more likely than any other age group to be influenced by seasonal classics like chocolate, eggs, and bunnies. Influenced in what way? Influenced in the sense of purchasing. I can see that, like from a nostalgic value. Yeah, millennials are very nostalgic about things. Yes, especially like childhood favorite things. So... 90% of Americans will share chocolate and candy this Easter. Uh, 55% will include chocolate eggs or bunnies. Candy-coated eggs, 15%. Jelly beans at 17%. And marshmallow candy at 9%. So that would include marshmallow peeps. It would. uh, We talked about last week. We talked about last week, So 15% are enjoying jelly beans? 17% prefer jelly beans over chocolate bunnies or chocolate eggs. Oh, okay, gotcha. Really? So not a huge percent, but that would be their number one. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that's more than what I thought. It would be, yeah, for yeah. me too. That would say, yeah, jelly beans is number one. 
Yeah, if you want to throw in a yeah. chocolate bunny, fine, but right. <laughs> make sure you got the jelly beans in there. <laughs> so jelly beans, what are they and where did they come from? Okay, first, can you guess what flavor is the most popular flavor internationally? Ooh. Strawberry. Uh, That's what I would have said. Cherry? I'm going to say bubblegum. Cherry is the most popular international flavor. Wow. That's what I thought. Maybe it was an international thing. So I want you to make a list of your top five jelly bean flavors. Okay. Pause it. So off air, I ask each of you to make the list of your top jelly bean flavors. Wait. Bleeding. I thought you meant what were our favorites. Yes. What did you That's think what I wrote. I thought you meant... The top, yeah, like it was the, the most top. popular. It was no. the most oh. popular. These are my personal favorites. Yeah, these are. Well, my we'll see how popular so. they are. All right. Okay. Yeah, there we go. There we go. All right. So, first of all, was it hard to make the list? Yes, yes. it was hard to make. I was saying, I know them more by color than. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. Taste. Blue, green. Yeah, yeah the blue. Yeah. One. And for me, I am not a fan of the normal jelly bean. I like the Starburst jelly bean, the original mm. packet, which is a very specific type of jelly bean. Only has appeared in stores i think i don't even like the last five years or so i'm not they're very recent i think right right so So one of the things that makes it hard is the name of the jelly bean Mm -hmm. it's not often the same as the flavor of the jelly bean. right Right. i'm just putting flavors here i can put apple blast delight or whatever (laughs) you need to be specific (laughs) and i like jelly bellies yes and we'll talk about the difference there okay so beth why don't we start with yours what were your top five jelly bean flavors Okay, for me, thinking that they were my top favorites, here are my top five. For Jelly Bellies, right? Yeah. For Jelly Beans. For Jelly Beans, yeah. yeah. I really don't know the specific names of them either. I guess I'm not very familiar with all of the specifics. I don't think any of us are very familiar with Jelly Beans. I am now. You are (laughs) You are now. And we will be, I'm sure. Yes. So mine are orange. Pink or cotton candy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Grape, strawberry, and blue raspberry. Mm, those sound Ooh. good. How about you, Sydney? All right. And these are the star burst. burst ones. Yeah, and I take back my last five years. They're just more recent than the, the right. Jelly Bellies, uh, the classic ones. Um, so mine is, my top pick is pink, <laughs> I <think laughs> which I had to look up. Is in fact strawberry. Yeah. Okay. I think that's everybody's favorite Starburst. I know I was seeing yes. them. We're just selling packs of pink. Pink. Yeah, Starburst. I saw that too. Oh, that's that is funny. I like yeah. orange the best of the Starburst ones. Well, yellow is my second. <laughs> really? <laughs> which is lemon. Uh, purple is grape, which is my third. Fourth is green for green apple. Fifth is orange. For orange. <laughs> After that, there is only one more flavor in the original Starburst packet. That is red for cherry, which I very much don't like. Oh, that's fine. So it just drops off completely it for that last one. It drops off completely. Like if there's even only five flavors, I would still not pick cherry. Yeah, yeah gotcha. <laughs> yeah. All right, so cool. it's not even an honorable mention. It's a dishonorable. It's a dishonorable mention. I have literally picked out all the reds. All right. So in no particular order... For me, thinking most popular, I did apple, orange, licorice, marshmallow, and cherry. Mm, okay. okay, so according to the polls that are done out there, 
for American adults, all four of us qualify as American adults, <laughs> the top one is buttered popcorn. Oh, gross. What? Yeah, which apparently has a, like, either you love it or you hate it. I, yeah. I think mom hates it. Yeah. <laughs> Number two is black licorice. What? Nailed it. Three is cinnamon. Four is watermelon. Five is cherry. Six is pear, which I can see pear. Yeah. Seven is orange. I actually do like orange. Yeah. So, yeah, and it goes. Yep. So, a lot of uh, our apple, I was surprised. Our apple or marshmallow on there? Uh, marshmallow is nine. nine. Red apple is 20. Oh, that's great. Doesn't hit till 18, which is actually surprising. It is surprising. This is for Americans? Yeah, American adults. Now, really? American kids are different. I'll talk about those in a second. Oh. So, with the advent of the Harry Potter series yeah. and the discussion of Birdie Bot's every flavor bean, a new line of flavors, good and bad, appear. <laughs> Some of the most disgusting jelly bean flavors. Oh, well, actually, okay. let me I ask can... you first. Can you think of any of the disgusting ones? Yeah. What? Earwax. Ear... Boogers. Boogers. I poop. <laughs> Dog poop was one. Yeah. Dirt. Dirt. Pepper. Yes. Mm-hmm. Black pepper, yeah. Black yeah. pepper. That was terrible. Yes. Oh, yeah. We've... Uh... Throw up. So yes. Barf. I... Yeah. I grew up on Harry Potter. I remember that, that craze when they came out. All you wanted to do was pick out all the flavors and try every single <laughs> That's one That's right. Of them. So ones you didn't mention, rotten egg. Oh, yeah. Sausage, <laughs> which is funny to me. Which is hilarious. Soap, stinky socks, lawn clippings, toothpaste, canned dog food, moldy cheese, baby wipes, skunk spray. Oh, Popcorn also on the worst list. Is that funny how it's on the best and worst list? Spoiled milk, so something you don't have to come over and say, smell this, honey, whenever you (laughs) you smell spoiled milk. And dead fish. Yuck. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah. So did you know that jelly beans could circle the globe? So Americans consume 16 billion jelly beans at Easter each year. 16 billion. And if all the Easter jelly beans were lined up end to end, they would circle the globe nearly three times. Well, wow. well how would they do that? You need like <laughs> a lot their of little hands. <laughs> you need like a lot of boats. And... Yeah, yeah, they're going to do that next year, Paul. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're looking for somebody to help coordinate it, though. So it just seems very impractical. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why you're telling us about it. So when we were talking about kids earlier, seventy percent of kids aged six to eleven. Say they prefer to eat Easter jelly beans one at a time, 70%. Right. While 23% report eating several at once. What horrible people eat several jelly I've beans never, at once? I've never <laughs> done it. Do you? Do you? Because, like, they're Starbursts. They're so good. You just you pair the different, like, flavors, and you just shove them in your mouth, and it's delicious. Pairing flavors is better than grab a no, big I, handful. And, I have and to eat know the, what the colors and flavors are before I put them in my <laughs> mouth funny. together. But they are good. I've only ever eaten jelly beans one at, one a, at time. a time. Right. It's so funny. The boys were more apt to eat a handful than girls were. 29% to 18%. Now, we're talking about favorites for children in America. They indicate their favorite jelly bean flavors were cherry number one, oh strawberry number two, uh-huh. grape three, lime four, and blueberry. So much more in line with some of the lists that we just said. That's one of the yeah. basic kind of That's right. flavors mm-hmm. that they're used to. I'm surprised to. by blueberry. lime, though. By lime? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Starburst has a lime flavor. I think mm-hmm. it does. Yeah. But to be the top one is interesting to me. So, since 1976, there have been two types of jelly beans. 
gourmet and traditional. And I always wondered what the gourmet jelly bean meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, like on Jelly Bellies, they have gourmet. So both take between six to ten days to make a jelly bean. But the slight difference in the recipes gives each its unique taste. So gourmet jelly beans tend to be softer, smaller than traditional jelly beans. And most importantly, gourmet jelly beans are flavored in both the shell and the middle. Traditional beans typically contain flavor only in the shell. Really? Yep. So gourmet is just all the way through. The flavor is the whole way through. And that discovery was made in 76, which is why there was a split between gourmet jelly beans and then traditional jelly beans. So the manufacturing process starts with the center of the jelly bean, so the the non-coating side. Sugar, corn syrup, and other ingredients are cooked in large boilers and then piped into a starch casting area. Machines coat trays with layers of cornstarch. And then each tray has an impression the size and shape of the center of a jelly bean. The mix is squirted onto the trays, dried overnight, and then the cornstarch layer is removed and the middles are put through a moisture steam bath and sprayed with sugar. And that sets for 24 to 48 hours. So the next part of the process is interesting because it actually dates back about 300 years. And that is the panning process, which still is done today, where the jelly bean comes to life. The centers are placed in a rotating drum called an engrossing pan. While the center is rotating, sugar is added gradually, building the shell around the jelly beans. Colors and flavors are added to get the distinct look and taste of the bean. And a confectioner's glaze is added to give the beans a shiny look. And then the beans are polished and ready to be shipped. No one knows the exact history of the jelly beans. The origins are lost to time. But if you look back at a couple things that happened over history, you can kind of pull together where they may have came from. One is most experts point to the Middle Eastern confection known as Turkish Delight that dates back all the way to biblical times for the center part, the the gooey center part. The shell coating is believed to be an offspring of this process called panning that I talked about, which was first invented in the 17th century France to make Jordan almonds. I talked about those last week. Those are the hard-coated candied almonds. The same panning process that I talked about a couple of seconds ago was done 300 years ago, but it was done uh, by rocking almonds in a bowl filled with sugar and syrup until the almonds were coated with the candy shell, and then they are left to dry. So those two processes made their way to America to become the jelly bean. The jelly bean quickly earned a place among the many glass jars of penny candies in general stores where they were sold by weight and taken home in little paper bags. So a little bit of the more recent history. In the 1860s, that was the first time that jelly beans were ever mentioned in a newspaper. It was during the Civil War when Boston confectionery William Schraft encouraged people to mail jelly beans to Union soldiers to keep their morale up. It was about that same time, too, that Gustav Golitz began his own candy company, which eventually became the Jelly Belly brand. Really? What year was that? That was in the 1860s. Oh, I didn't know they were that old. It wasn't until the 1930s that jelly beans became a part of Easter traditions. They had just been candy in general store and kind of a Christmas treat. Oh, okay. But they became an Easter tradition around that time frame because of their egg-like shape and being associated with the Easter Bunny, who delivered eggs as a symbol of new life during the spring season. But the candy really hit its stride in the 1940s. 
during World War II because most of America's chocolate was being sent overseas to soldiers. This left cheaper options like jelly beans to fill the gap back here in the States. So then in the 1960s, Governor Ronald Reagan, governor of California, revealed that he liked the snack so much that it helped him break his smoking habit. And he actually wrote to Jelly Belly, which was his preferred brand, and told them, we can hardly start a meeting or make a decision without passing the jar of jelly beans. In 1976, it was when Klein invented Jelly Belly, which was the candy coating that had the uh, flavor on the outside and the inside. And then the 1980s, Jelly Belly went so far as to make blueberry-flavored beans, especially for then-President Reagan, so he could have red, white, and blue mix in the Oval Office. That is so fun. That is interesting, yes. Now, according to Jelly Belly, there are many different favorite tastes across the globe. For North and South America, very cherry is the favorite flavor. Asia is lemon-lime. Australia is bubblegum. Europe is tutti frutti. Oh, yeah, I do like tutti frutti. That's the multicolored one. (laughs) And the Middle East, it's berry blue. Within America, you can also find generational preferences. Adults and kids both love cherry, making it the number one flavor. But beyond that, grown-ups go for buttered popcorn, as we talked about before. And kids opt for things like berry blue and green apple and and those sorts of things. Guess we're kids at Hertzson, apparently. (laughs) So Jelly Belly, which is one of the more um, known companies that makes jelly beans, churns out more than 100 flavors themselves. The newest ones are pancake and maple syrup, champagne, ginger ale, and even beer. They also have a game called Bean Boozled. Yeah, I've seen that. Which has the very good pop- and bad. Yeah, very tasting. popular now. Right. There doesn't look like there's much of a object to the game. No. Other than you spin and you take a chance with a type of bean that could either be the good version or the bad version of the bean. Yep. There's many YouTube videos in which participants challenge themselves to chew without gagging. And recently, there is something called CBD-infused jelly beans. CBD comes from the marijuana plant. So this is the non-addictive portion or non-drug portion, I should say, of the marijuana plant that helps people with anxiety. So they've now infused jelly beans. So be careful when you're buying your jelly beans out there to either intentionally or or not get the CBD-infused type of jelly beans. It's funny. One of the things that I always think of when I think of jelly beans is, do you remember in Charlie Brown Thanksgiving yes. when he was giving the meal <laughs> and it was toast popcorn. and pretzels and popcorn yep. and jelly beans, and jelly beans. <laughs> like a big pile yeah. of jelly beans. You yep. wonder if those were from like Easter, from the Easter Beagle. That's right. Which is what I'm going to be talking about today. Snoopy first appeared as an Easter Bunny-like character in 1968, but Schultz did not give the character the name the Easter Beagle until three years later in 1971. And now, Schultz this, is Charles Schultz, Charles the creator Schultz. of the Peanuts. Yes, the creator of the Peanuts. And this is the comic strip that I'm talking about, not the movie. So the TV special, It's the Easter Beagle, Charlie Brown, is based around that character in the comic strip. Charles Schultz, as Cole said, the creator of the Peanuts comic strip, once said in an interview that the Easter Beagle was his favorite out of all of Snoopy's alter egos. Oh, that's funny. And he had a lot of alter egos. I always oh, like Joe yes. Cool myself. Joe Cool, yep. Yep. Did he pilot. ever have a name for the pilot? There? No, I don't think so. He was just the World War One, one flying, flying Ace. ace. That's yep. what he was. Yeah. Right. 
the TV special was written by Charles Schultz, directed by Phil Roman, and the running time was 30 minutes. Now, it first debuted on CBS on April 9th, 1974. It aired each Easter season from 1974 to 2000 on CBS. Then ABC got the rights to it. So for ABC, they repeated the special in some years, and some years they didn't, between 2001 and 2014. I thought that was interesting. Oh, so it hasn't been on TV every year. No. Huh. Not at, at Easter time. As a time. special, right, right. Right, as an Easter special. Right. No, it hasn't. It was until ABC got the rights to it. Now, I've watched it every year of my life, since 74. Right. Yes, yeah. well, you can get DVDs. You could have gotten VHSs earlier. We did. <laughs> when the kids were little, we did. Right. Maybe before the kids were little. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and then DVDs. And Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But interestingly, I could not watch it on Amazon Prime or Netflix. It wasn't no available for either of those. So I thought that was interesting, too. I was like, hmm, Well, we have the DVD, so. Right, which we watch. <laughs> That's true. As a general synopsis of it's the Easter Beagle Charlie Brown, the penis gang is getting ready for Easter, and Linus is certain it's a waste of time and tries to convince his his pals that the Easter Beagle, who is really Snoopy in disguise, would take care of everything. It's not much of a disguise. He's holding a basket. I know, but <laughs> a lot of times that's all Snoopy's but, doing. Yeah, he's a beagle. <laughs> So it's a lot different than, like, the great pumpkin, right? Right. In this case, it was a beagle. So It was an actual <laughs> beagle. It wasn't right. him in a flying ace hat. Right, right. Rising out of the pumpkin, out of the pumpkin bed. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because the pumpkin patch thing does come into play in a yes, subplot. it does. A nefarious subplot. <laughs> Only Charlie Brown's sister Sally believes him, although she still has some suspicions after she and Linus waited without success... To see the Great Pumpkin the previous Halloween. Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Dear sweet gullible Sally. The timeline is She wants to believe him. She True. wants to. And Her sweet baboo. She says she wants to, but she just doesn't know. And she warns him that he better Ooh, not, yeah. you know. Better not be like the Great Pumpkin no. situation. <laughs> better <Yeah>. not. <laughs> and she, little but wiry. There are some really interesting, fun subplots in... It's the Easter Beagle, Charlie Brown, that make this a lot of fun. It is, and it's actually a, a very fond family tradition for us. It to is. Watch each year. It is. Peppermint Patty and Marcy coloring eggs are one of the subplots that goes through as kind of a running gag that occurs throughout the special. It's Marcy's first time coloring eggs, and she doesn't know how to do it, so Peppermint Patty's trying to help her out. She's obviously barely familiar with eggs at all. Marcy. Marcy, yes. 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 <laughs> I mean, she really doesn't understand this no, at no. all. But I will say that Peppermint Patty is spending a lot of time stirring that color. She could have been overhelping Marcy. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But it's almost like Marcy was from a foreign country that didn't have eggs nor access to anything that looked like an egg. Or well, paint. Or paint. Yep. Or paint. She Would knows you how to do stuff with eggs. Well, everything else apart from boiling them. Hard boiling them. Hard boiling. Yeah, so you stuck them in the oven. Right. So Marcy doesn't know how to prepare the eggs properly. As we all know, you hard boil the eggs in the shell. Well, Marcy, her first attempt fails as she fries the eggs on a griddle. And as she's flipping them, 
she asks Peppermint Patty how they're going to paint the eggs. And then <laughs> Peppermint Patty does something like, ah, kind of thing. <laughs> so then they have to go get more eggs. The next time, as Peppermint Patty's stirring the dye again. Yeah, like far away from Marcy. Right? <laughs> yes. Maybe another Across room. the room, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Marcy tries cooking the eggs on a waffle iron in a toaster. Well, on top of the toaster. And then she bakes the rest in the oven. Peppermint Patty has a lot of, like, kitchen appliances. Yeah, like well, waffle irons. Right. Peppermint Patty's like all... mom does. Right. Yeah. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last attempt, Peppermint Patty has now spent the last of her money on eggs. She brings them back. She explains that they need to be boiled. Marcy totally understands the concept, we think. And then... She goes and stirs her dye some more. <laughs> Presumably, she's been spending a lot of money on dye, too, because and, well, it's never ready. It's never used, but it's yeah. never ready. And she whistles, too. She likes to whistle while she's doing it. And Marcy, little Marcy, goes over and fills up this big, huge pan with water, sticks it on the oven, and then she puts all the eggs in the water, except she cracks the eggs and puts them in the water. And so, it's a peppermint patty set. It smells like egg soup. And it was. <laughs> so at the end of the third attempt, Peppermint Patty's out of money. They end up with no colored eggs. And they can't make any more attempts. The next subplot is about Woodstock. Snoopy's little bird friend wakes up in his nest, shivering after a rainstorm. So he goes to Snoopy for help. And then Snoopy goes to a department store to buy a birdhouse. And at first, Woodstock doesn't want it. But... At Snoopy's... Insistence. Insistence, meaning putting it over his head and sticking him in it. He acclimates to it and ends up redecorating it beautifully for the time. And it's a little psychedelic. Yeah. Very 70s. Very groovy. Very groovy. (laughs) Yes, and he has... He has like a sunken couch. It's a sunken bed. Yeah, a sunken bed. Yep. And a big stereo system, and he has his headphones on, and orange and yellow, like lava lamps or something yeah. in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of different interesting things. So when Snoopy looks in, he he sees different things, and apparently, trying to get a better look, his nose gets in the hole of the birdhouse. He can't get it out again, so he ends up completely destroying the house trying to get his nose out. Then he broke the birdhouse. So, Sydney, what's your problem with this part? Well, when he broke the birdhouse, right, we saw all that groovy stuff that Woodstock had, but as soon as the birdhouse split open, it was all gone. (laughs) So, my thought was, well, was Snoopy, like, delusional? Was he, like, imagining it? And poor Woodstock was just chilling in his empty little wooden house? The inside of Snoopy's doghouse and Woodstock's birdhouse are magical places. Oh. That when other people see them, they just look normal. It's only when Snoopy and Woodstock engage with them that they're special. Right. And they're bigger on the inside. Right. It reminds me of I Dream of Jeannie's Bottle. Yes, right. (laughs) She had much more space than what it looked like she should. Yes, she did. So, Snoopy has to go back to the store and get another birdhouse. And as he's going in and out of the stores, he interacts with the other characters and there's Christmas stuff up and there's up and down escalators and there's all kinds of shenanigans going on and up and down escalators up and down escalators <laughs> actually there is and one of Sydney's favorite scenes is in there yes 
Yeah, so Snoopy comes across this display of sugar, sugar eggs. So what they are is essentially this egg made of sugar, and they typically have scenes inside of the eggs. Well, Snoopy goes and looks in one, and he sees a bunch of rabbits in a field. What happens next, though, is he's magically transported within the egg. They come alive, and happy little Easter music happens, and they have a little dance scene. And it's so cute, and it's my favorite part of the movie. He know? does some Irish dance. He does some Russian dance. Yeah. You know, he does like he's a doing happy some dance. break dancing, too. Yeah, some break yeah. dancing. He's got it all covered He's got there. all the best dances yes. there. Yeah. Right. All and three of them. And he's so happy. <laughs> he is. But it's like a super short little scene. You see him looking in, and then he's on a stool in this department store, mm-hmm. and he's dancing as he's looking in. So, so he's not really transported there. It's more like maybe he's imagining himself. Yeah, there. A, little, right. a little daydream. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That was cute. So there's a lot of fun little things in the department store that happens as they go in and out mm-hmm. as he's trying to purchase. And the escalators stuff. are interesting because this is a huge mall or department store because there's many, many layers of escalators that they pass each other up and down on. Right. That's right. And the whole gang is always going up one, and and Snoopy's going going down the other. (laughs) Or vice versa, I guess. Yeah. So Lucy, Lucy Van Pelt, believes that Easter is the gift-getting season. And that's what she tells Schroeder, and Schroeder asks what's wrong with her. What's wrong with you? (laughs) And she says, it's survival, baby. I think that's what she says. Yeah, you're right. And so she, being a go-getter, I guess is a nice way to put that, decides to have her own egg hunt. So she colors all of her eggs, puts them in a basket, goes out, hides them, writes down where each one is, so that the next morning she can find all of them. Unknown to her, Snoopy, as she's putting them down, is taking them and putting them in his (laughs) own basket. (laughs) So Easter morning arrives, and so does the Easter Beagle. Everybody's in their different little spots, and the Easter Beagle comes skipping by, and with some fun music playing in the background. Mm-hmm. So fun, and he's at first he's throwing eggs everywhere, and then to people. Well, to no, people, but also on the ground. No, on the ground. Yeah, at first yeah. he's just like tossing them. He's, he's having a great time. And <laughs> don't get me wrong, he's having fun. But then he tosses one to Peppermint Patty and Marcy, and then he goes and tosses one to I think Schroeder's next, and then he goes skipping on and. Tosses one to Linus and Sally. Sally. And it's a good thing because Sally is getting mad at that point because there is no Easter Beagle and she thinks she's been fooled again. Yeah. Then he tosses one to Lucy. Then he goes and he reaches in to get one for Charlie Brown, but he had no eggs left. So he seemed a little embarrassed and handed them the basket, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Lucy then realizes that she's holding her own egg. Mm-hmm. Her own Easter egg. She's pretty mad about it, too. Yes, she is. And another little subplot here is Peppermint Patty and Marcy, after they receive the eggs, Marcy says, what do we do with them now? Peppermint Patty should be really careful how she says things to Marcy. You would think she'd know by now, but she says she'd put a little salt on them and eat them. So... So Marcy pulls some salt out of her pocket. And this isn't like a little tiny packet of salt. No. This is an actual <laughs> full salt size shaker. Full salt, salt shaker. Puts it on the top of the shell and eats half the egg, including the shell. Instead, it tastes terrible. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where Marcy has been living. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but she's a funny little girl. 
10 weeks past this Easter day, Lucy is still brooding about the fact that Snoopy gave her eggs out. So Linus says that she should just go talk to Snoopy about it. So she goes to visit Snoopy's doghouse, and she's in fighting stance, and she has her fists up, and she's ready to get down here, beagle kind of thing. We're going to have it out. Snoopy comes down and kisses her on the cheek, and then completely disarming, and she just smiles and says, the Easter beagle. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just really cute, really worthwhile. There's a lot of fun throughout the entire thing. One of the things that I'm going to end with is I thought it was interesting that when ABC got the rights to this, they cut out scenes of the special so that they could have commercial... And make it fit into a half-hour slot. And still have plenty of time for commercials. So they cut out the part where Lucy had a talk with Schroeder and told him it was the gift-getting season. Mm -hmm. So that was cut out. The escalator scenes in the department store were cut out. The part where Linus explains to Peppermint, Patty, and Marcy about the Easter Beagle was cut out. The last minute of the scene, a fight between Lucy and Snoopy was cut. And then that's it. <laughs> There's, it was like the credits. There's some but credit I, information. On the DVD, but. then, those are all put back in. Yes. And they aired initially with CBS. There's music in there, too. That's interesting. Classic Peanuts music. That's right. Beethoven's Seventh Symphony. The music heard when the dancing bunnies went in circles was later heard in Mickey's Twice a Blind oh, okay. Christmas. <laughs> it's interesting how Charles Schultz brings together these characters. Classical you know, music. The music comes in, and it's just a very fun yes, show. Yes, it's very fun. Yes. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. So speaking of eggs, one of my favorite candies is the Cadbury egg. Which it one's is, that? So the Cadbury egg is a chocolate confection produced in the shape of an egg... The product consists of a thick chocolate shell, which houses a sweet white and yellow fondant filling, which mimics the yolk and white of a chicken egg. Or an ostrich egg. Oh, I was going to say ostrich Uh. egg. (laughs) That's awesome. They're not big enough. Well, ostrich eggs are very big. Yeah, but the they should eggs make are big ostrich egg size. <laughs> oh, that would be Cadbury awesome. eggs. Well, Cadbury eggs are one of those weird things that I really loved when I was a kid. Like mm-hmm. I really loved Cadbury eggs, but just for whatever reason, they are disgusting to me now. Not to me. Like I can't stand. <laughs> no, I them love now. them. I love them as well. So they are manufactured <laughs> as two half egg chocolate shells, each of which is filled with a white fondant then topped with a smaller amount of yellow fondant, with the egg being filled in such a way that the fondant colors mimic the egg yolk and egg white. The halves are then quickly joined together and cooled, and the chocolate bonding together in the process. The solid eggs are removed from the molds and wrapped in foil. The history of the Cadbury cream egg goes back farther than I thought. In 1824... Wow. That's that's pretty far back. (laughs) John Cadbury opened up a shop in Birmingham, England, where he sold a variety of drinks, including tea, coffee, and drinking chocolate. What? A man in Britain opened a tea shop? (laughs) (laughs) And drinking chocolate and coffee. I already love this person. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I love how he calls it drinking chocolate. (laughs) That was pretty common back then, drinking chocolate. It wasn't just hot chocolate. It was cold chocolate, too, or or lukewarm chocolate. Yeah, as we found out, 
at Monticello. That's right. With Thomas Jefferson. Cadbury gained some success with his shop and opened up a chocolate and cocoa factory in 1831 with his brother in order to produce more drinking chocolate. <laughs> In 1847, right? Yeah. In 1847, Joseph Fry, F-R-Y, a competitor of Cadbury's, began experimenting with making moldable chocolate bars. This sparked Cadbury's experimentation in moldable chocolate. And in 1875, Cadbury created the first chocolate egg filled with sugary sweet. The egg was made with dark chocolate. And filled with a sugar-coated chocolate drop. So it wasn't actually like the sugary filling that we have today. It sounded like it was a hard substance that it was filled with. Oh, okay. A different substance than the outside. Right. Yeah. Still chocolate, though. Just a different... Was it a candy-coated chocolate drop? Yeah, that's what like it... Like a the... big M&M kind of thing? Yeah, that, would, right. that would be yummy. <laughs> I don't know. Why did they stop making that? I don't know. <laughs> Sounds great. By 1919, Cadbury and Fry have merged their companies. Good for them, coming together, working together. After outgrowing their factory, the Cadbury brothers built a 140-acre community in Bourneville, England, where employees could live and work. Wait, were they brothers? No, no not they were Fry. Rivals. Cadbury and Fry came together, but originally Cadbury and his brother were working together. So after they outgrew their factory, they then made a 140-acre purchase and built... Which is what Hershey did, too. Cadbury was also known for its chocolate bar. So in 1897, Cadbury wanted to challenge the popular Swiss chocolate with their own British product, therefore creating the brand's first milk chocolate bar. But to get back to the Cadbury cream egg, the first cream-filled egg first appeared back in 1923. But the Cadbury cream egg candies that we know and love today didn't hit the shelves until 1971. Okay. So that was the big tipping point for the Cadbury cream eggs. And in 1985, Cadbury launched a successful ad campaign. It was basically like a TV advertisement. And... It was titled, How Do You Eat Yours? It presented these cartoons, I think with real people too, in the background. And it had different ways that you can eat your Cadbury cream I remember egg. that. Oh, really? Yeah, I do. That's so funny. Apparently it was super popular. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And the eggs only achieved more fame as a result. So right now in the United States, Hershey has the marketing rights. That leads into... A couple controversies I wanted to bring up. <laughs> I had no idea that these eggs could actually have controversies, <laughs> but okay. So the first controversy is the recipe. So in 2010, Kraft took over the Cadbury egg and changed the recipe, much to people's outrage. <laughs> the Cadbury egg was originally made with is a Cadbury milk chocolate, and in 2015 or 16, they changed the recipe to a general cocoa mixed chocolate again this is just for the outside of the shell of the cadbury egg that wasn't that long ago i don't remember <laughs> maybe it's my deserting taste but i don't remember any difference in the taste before <laughs> and after yes well Do you no no but obviously people disapproved of it cadbury sales plummeted and the company reported a loss of six million pounds a seven percent drop from previous years however their annual sales Still top the 200 million pounds, so obviously 
people didn't mind the no. <laughs> yeah. But one of the things I found here said, no longer shall the eggshell be made from delicious Cadbury milk chocolate. It will instead be made from disgusting, foul, vomit-inducing standard <laughs> cocoa mix chocolate. Wow, that's <laughs> extreme. Hilarious. That is an that's extreme reaction. Strange. But from Cadbury's point of view, it's no longer dairy milk. It's similar, but not exactly dairy milk. <laughs> it's like you can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, they then also created the caramel-filled eggs. And those yes. are yummy, too. Those are very yummy as well. So that was the recipe controversy. The second controversy is that the recipe varies by country. So as we know now, in the United States, the shell of the Cadbury egg is different than in... Vomit-inducing, apparently. <laughs> I don't remember vomiting, but okay. And according, yes. and according to this, it was also tested by idiots. So, you know... <laughs> But they're also different for like in the UK and in Canada. So for instance, the UK eggs lack high fructose corn syrup since it's banned in Britain. So supposedly the fondant filling is thicker in texture as a result. Oh. Yeah. Thicker than the one in the United States. Yeah. Huh. In fact... That's almost peanut butter-like. <laughs> That's got to be pretty thick. In fact, there was one interview with the singer Lord. Apparently she's an avid fan. Gotcha. And according to her... Because she's had them in multiple countries, apparently. Right. She said, I love to indulge in a cream egg, and I've been in America, and the chocolate is not very good in America. Oh. I was excited to come to the UK and snack on a little cream egg. So... She likes what she knows better, which is the UK one. Right. Right. And that was not changed. But I have found that a lot of Europeans and people from other parts of the world don't like our candy. Mm-hmm. Just like we don't have a taste for theirs. It's right. kind of what you grow up with, what you know. But it is very different, distinct flavors between yeah. right. parts of the world. Well, it was interesting. When I was in Russia, a lot of their candy did taste like our candy. Oh, theirs did? Yeah. Like they had sort of these milk candies that almost tasted exactly like candy corn and stuff oh. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would actually be curious to visit different countries and, and taste try their, eggs. Try their uh, Cadbury cream eggs. That would be interesting. And so, then do like a little taste test with each of them next to each other. So yeah. you can do like a blind taste test. Yeah, like one with the shell yeah. and then one for the inside yeah. and then mm-hmm. one like a combination of like... Yes, milk. exactly. So you yeah. need a whole bunch of eggs. Yeah. <laughs> That's all so good. So, the, <laughs> so last but not least, one of the biggest controversies... Is more like a conspiracy theory. So there's a theory that the eggs have gotten smaller over the years. Oh. Yeah. Cadbury initially denied the claims. However, there's a actor, B.J. Novak. He appeared on the Conan O'Brien Late Night Show in 2007. He gave credence to this theory. And he displayed two Cadbury eggs, right? One from 2005 and one from 2007. And one definitely looked smaller than, than right. the other. So Cadbury has since changed the language on their site, according to this website, to read, since people's preferences vary from market to market, so do our products. Basically saying eggs can be as big or small as they want. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Which wow. is true. They can be, you know, hmm. I have no problem with the egg size. You know, I get as many as I want from the store. They come in packs. Packs and of four. Packs of four and individually. Yeah. And they have, you know, pretty packaging. And it's just a really fun candy that I've always enjoyed from a kid and then as an adult. It's just really funny that that would be something to be vague about. 
About the size? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I remember when it went from five pounds sugar to four pounds sugar. Mm-hmm. Right? You paid the same, except you, know, you lost a pound of sugar. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. It happens. So, Cadbury eggs, I actually didn't know that they came from England. But I guess it makes sense. The name Cadbury sounds pretty sounds English. English. Sounds English. But I know a lot of our traditions, like... I suppose like Cadbury eggs come from other countries. You know, we're a nation of immigrants, and there's a lot of weird and fun traditions across the world relating to Easter. What <laughs> you said, and fun, and fun, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of the traditions are more fun than weird for Easter, from what I found. You know, I was looking up international traditions. What did you find? Internationally speaking, what did I find? And there are some pretty unique ones in the town of Ho, France. They make a giant omelet that can feed up to a thousand people. Wow. That's a lot of omelet. Wait, 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 wait. One giant omelet? Yep, they use 4,500 eggs. And a big skillet? What pan do they use for that? It's an omelet. It's a giant omelet, yep. That's crazy. They they probably don't cook it in a pan. Do they invite friends? Well, <laughs> one would hope. I would hope so. <laughs> okay. Many it's presumably it's for the town. Oh, okay, and that's an Easter tradition. Yeah, that is an Easter tradition because of you know the egg part. <laughs> the egg part. The egg that's part. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. And it's interesting. So the story goes that Napoleon and his army were traveling through France, and they stopped by this town. That that part's true. That they were traveling. They were. France. I can confirm that <laughs> <Yeah>. Napoleon. <laughs> Well, it's at some point traveling through France, yes. probably with an army. And stopped at a town at some point. And stopped at a town. But him and his army stopped at this town, and they enjoyed omelets. So he ordered the townspeople to all come together and make omelets for his army the next day. Okay. So they continued this tradition by making a giant army-sized omelet. So I guess they enjoyed it so much. <laughs> right. That right. Napoleon so really fun. liked this omelet. But the townspeople enjoyed doing it so much that they continued... Well, he was Napoleon, you know. Oh, okay. They didn't resent the fact that he said, omelets for my entire army. At the time, it was pretty popular in France. Hooray! If if it was in, like, Germany and he had ordered them to make eggs, they probably wouldn't have been as happy. So how many eggs was it? It was 4,500 eggs. Wow. They had to clean them out of eggs. It was a lot of eggs. Yeah, there's a picture here of just, like, stacks and stacks... Oh my of goodness, eggs. that's crazy. Ready for the omelet. The French eggs, ready for the omelet. Another one is in Corfu, Greece. It actually comes from a Venetian tradition, and the Venetians occupied a lot of different territories in Greece. Known for their blinds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that was so funny. <laughs> It's like when I mentioned the Ottoman Empire and somebody says something about, like, a footstool. Yeah. <laughs> That's really, it's really usually Grandy that says something about it. <laughs> yeah. But they have a tradition of pot throwing. Do you That's mean, so like, funny. marijuana throwing? No. Oh. Uh, when people take earthen pots, so it's earthware, so it's like clay pots. Gotcha. And they throw them out of their windows and smash them on the street. The theory is that smashing the pot symbolizes new spring or new life or something like oh, that. Oh, out with the old pots. Right, out with, with the, the old new. pots, in with the new. Oh, okay. And a lot of people say that comes from a Venetian tradition of throwing out their old things to replace them with new and 
better. I wonder if that's where the plate throwing at weddings comes from. You know, you're oh, done yeah, with the yeah. I don't know. Done with the old, and then now you get new for you as a new couple. Look that up and let me know. Okay. <laughs> the funny thing is, if you think about it, when this tradition started back when you know the Venetians were big, <laughs> right? They did not have many objects, right? Right. Like it would have been pretty bad to throw out your. Pots. Your pots and your your pans. Yeah, depending on where you live, unless you were the, the so town it, that it made would have the pots. it would have had to be in Venice, which would have been wealthy enough to actually. And maybe it was a symbolic pot, like you only like had a single one. one yeah. yeah, right. Or you like figure out how to get your neighbor to throw his pot out to represent both of you. Right, <laughs> it's like whole game. <laughs> there was one that I thought was particularly funny. And that was for the Norwegians. Apparently, Easter is a big crime novel time for. Norwegians. That's so funny. Because so, they have so many Norwegian authors of crime novels? A lot of crime novelists come out with what they call Easter thrillers. Oh. <laughs> That's fun. Around this time. Interesting. And they say the tradition started back in the 1920s when book publishers promoted new crime novels on the front pages of their newspaper around Easter time. People didn't know it was a publicity stunt. That comes from womansday.com. Because that's more of a direct quote. His first name was Smorgas, and his last name was Borg. <laughs> oh, I have heard of him. Oh. Yep. Smorgasbord, yeah. Bjork. Smorgas Bjork. So, keeping with the European region, in Czechia and Slovakia, there's a tradition of men having whips made of willow and tied with ribbons and going around and spanking women with them. <laughs> Well, at least they're tied with ribbons, so yep. they're pretty. Yep. You know, That's hilarious. Czechia prides itself on being a progressive country. <laughs> so, in other words, women on Easter just need to stay inside away from the men. Yes, yes. <laughs> or have well, their own whips. It's, it's all in, in good fun. It's not supposed to be, like, hard or anything. Right. Good fun for everybody? Good fun <laughs> for everybody. Okay. Ribbons. <laughs> I keep forgetting about that. Maybe they're sparkly. Well, Maybe. and uh, <laughs> along that same note, in Hungary, boys sprinkle cologne on girls and then ask for a kiss. Oh. It's sort of, I'm imagining the girls just running away and boys running after them with cologne. <laughs> and that's right. also for Easter? Also for Easter. You're very Easter-ish, yes. Yep. I'm going to stay in the U.S. for Easter. <laughs> <laughs> Except if we go to the U.K. to get some good Cadbury eggs. That's true. <laughs> I guess the Scandinavian countries just take a darker tone for Easter because in Sweden and also in Finland, they have a tradition of children dressing up as witches for Easter and going, yep, for Easter and going home to home and collecting sweets. Okay, so they're confusing it with Halloween. They they are confusing it with Halloween. That's what it seems like. Or they just do that for every holiday. Queens <laughs> just really like candy and dressing yeah. up as witches. That's so. right. I'm here to collect your jelly beans and Cadbury eggs, please. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't care what day it is. <laughs> this, I thought, was, again, a little, maybe a little more morbid. But in Brazil, they make straw dolls to represent Judas. And they hang them in the streets and then beat them with sticks. So... They're really not fans of Judas in Brazil. And understandably, Judas really probably doesn't have any fans. But that symbolism is kind of... Very stark. Very, uh, yeah. A little extreme. In Bulgaria, and actually in Belarus, too, they have a tradition... They have what they call an egg fight. 
<laughs> where you go around. It's not throwing eggs at each other, but what it sounds like is that everybody has an egg, and they hit each other's eggs with their eggs, and whichever egg is the strongest wins. So oh. whichever one doesn't crack. Oh. So it's probably like an egg toss. It's like mini a- battles. Like you, I battle your egg. If I win, yeah, I go to like the next tap. person. Well, it's not really like a bracket thing. Oh, it's not? No, oh, okay. it's just sort of, I think you go around like as a group. So they don't have like a March like Madness happen. for eggs? No, they don't have a March <laughs> Madness for eggs. And then like, do you get like points docked off for cheating? I'm thinking like hard boiled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Or plastic. Okay. <laughs> 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 I have some stone eggs here. That would work. Right. <laughs> the Russians don't do candy or anything on Easter, but they do color eggs. But they actually color them with onion skins. Oh, okay. Like, um, so you'd have to not not the white onions, but the, yeah. the red onions. Probably. Red onions. So they layer. So them. yep, they layer them and get this sort of these layers of red and purple color on oh, them. The eggs cool. get the layer of red. And yep, color. and that's sort of that represents. The blood of Christ. Right. Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. The Russians cool, keeping cool. to the very traditional kind of Christianness to their their home. I don't know what country it came out of, but I remember my sister, who's 11 years older than me, trying that thing out where you put a pin through the bottom of an egg, mm-hmm. and then you suck the... You blow it, don't you? You, oh, yeah, you blow both ends, and you blow the, the uh, white and no. the yolk out mm-hmm. so that the egg shell is left yes. whole and, and hollow. Yep. Then you let that dry, and then you can paint it right. uh, on the outside. And she did that several times. I was, thought that was interesting. I, but I know that came from some country, but I don't know what Yeah, country. I don't know. I don't either. I remember when I was growing up, it was a trend, I think, yeah. for a while to do Seven, that. Must be remember, 70s trend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But she's very crafty, so I imagine... She's um, crafty. Yeah, she's yes. a crafty lady. Yes. She's a crafty lady. But it's interesting, because in India, there aren't many Christians in India... But in the region of Goa, India, which was a region that was controlled by the Portuguese for a very long time, so a very large Christian Catholic community in that area of India, they exchanged flowers and chocolates and colored lanterns. Oh, colored lanterns. Yep. They exchanged them. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So it's a little Christmassy kind of thing happening there. But with Easter. And actually have a picture here of colored lanterns hanging above the streets very very colorful Mm -hmm. which i guess is on brand for india so a lot of you know that in australia they don't have an easter bunny do you remember what they have an easter wallaby no it's an easter bilby bilby (laughs) that's right that's right. right yep which is an interesting little thing it's almost a little more scrawny looking than than a rabbit it's got a longer nose it's definitely more marsupial looking but can you guess why they have the bilby and not the bunny because they don't don't like bunny native that's partially correct mom is that the bunny's not native they have a ton of bunnies in australia Oh, and they don't like it. Cause and they don't like them. Yeah, because they <laughs> they're, are... They're considered pests in Australia. That's right. And not something that... Are they not native, so they're invasive? They're invasive. Ah. Uh. Because back when Australia was a British prison colony, they brought rabbits, and they spread like wildfire across As rabbits the, do. Right, rabbits. across the island. Predators. <laughs> yeah. Which you would think is funny, because Australia... Full of predators. <laughs> right. But the rabbits found a way to, to make it work. But I thought that was funny that 
they chose the bilby, which is endangered, as the symbol of Easter for them. Aw, that's so cute. Is there a particular bilby? Isn't there like Peter Rabbit, there's a specific bilby? Bilby Bill? Bill the bilby? <laughs> Bill the bilby. I don't know. Okay. So I saved my favorite for last. I haven't seen a video of it yet, but I'm going to watch one after this because it looks like it'll be so much fun. So in Florence, they celebrate a 350-year tradition called Scopio del Caro, which means explosion of the cart. So they have a centuries-old cart, is loaded with fireworks, and pulled in front of the well-known the Duomo building, where spectators watch fireworks go off. In random directions, I assume. Right. <laughs> The archbishop sends a dove-shaped rocket into the cart, which ignites the oh, fireworks so display. Wow. And it's it's a beautiful cart. I have to show you guys pictures after this. And it's just in the city? It's in the city. <laughs> it's supposed to be a sign of peace and celebration and good year ahead. All the good fireworks kind All of stuff. All the good fireworks stuff. But it's a big deal. It's a big, you know, celebration in Florence. So Sounds I thought that was fun. very fun. That is fun. Yeah. It's interesting. If you ever get a chance to travel overseas over international holidays. Yeah. Uh, holidays that multiple nations celebrate. It's fun to go to those local festivals and see what is going on. Thanks for joining us for part two of our Easter podcast series. We have future festivities coming up. And that actually reminds me that... This past week on Saturday was National Puppy Dog Day. I actually saw a store at one of the malls that was celebrating Puppy Dog Day. So it is interesting that I send out... It wasn't a pet store, was it? No. Okay. Interesting. And uh, I send out daily different national days or international days. And sometimes I find other places celebrating those specific days. But it's often like a store and you wonder why does a store celebrate that why does a store know about yeah yeah and celebrate it in like you know giving sales or things like that so it's funny when i see those things uh future festivities for the week of april 15th obviously april 15th in the united states is income tax day that's when all of our taxes are due (laughs) by that day april 16th goes along with that national stress awareness day so getting your taxes together can be stressful (laughs) so the day after is stress awareness day 17th is national cheese ball day i'm a big cheese ball fan so (laughs) that works for me (laughs) the 18th of april is national high five day the 19th is good friday the friday before easter april 20th is husband appreciation day and then april 21st this year is easter So, thanks for joining us again. You can find us on social media at a number of different places. On Twitter, it's at Holiday underscore Moons. On Instagram, it's at Holiday Moons. On Facebook, you can find us by searching Holiday Moons. And you can contact us at HolidayMoons at gmail.com. So, for Randy, Beth, Sydney, and Cole, Happy Happy Easter. Easter!